0: Welcome in to the Day After Podcast. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley, joined by Jason Staples, Buck Sanders, and sponsored by Johnny T-Shirt and johnnytshirt.com. With the Johnny T-shirts um, visual there for us, for those of you watching on the YouTube stream, we're live again. Good gracious, folks! We already got a couple dozen folks in the stream. Uh, what, what do y'all not have anything else to do on Sunday morning? <laughs> <laughs> Carolina forty-two, Pittsburgh twenty-four. Buck, we were talking a little bit off-air. We talked a ton this week. I um, mean, quite frankly, the entire Inside Carolina team nailed this one. Um, If I need to toot everybody's horn, but before the game said Carolina had to be physical and they better step up, meet the physicality of it. It took a while, but what's your overall take?
1: Yeah, I would agree with that. And I would agree um, that especially in the trenches, uh, the offensive line and defensive line uh, collectively probably had their best game of the season, Uh, particularly as you get into the, uh, second half, uh, they, they really did outstanding work. I mean, they uh, I think probably for the first time this season, we saw the defensive line being able to get pressure uh, without having to bring a blitzer. Um, so that that's strong. And uh, the offensive line, they only gave up two sacks. I, I, I think Pittsburgh has averaged three a game uh so far over the season um and i just thought the offensive line did a really good job i don't they weren't able to create any holes in a run game but as mac brown said post game they have uh, virtually abandoned uh the run game uh, at a certain point and said what the heck we're gonna, we're gonna get more our yards on a through the air so let's just do that but i thought the offensive line did a pretty good job uh, of protecting drake um uh, and the defensive line did what they needed to do. So in the trenches, I I would say uh, that physicality showed up that we were that Mac Brown was talking about also post game, which was very refreshing to see.
0: Jason, I've watched a lot of Carolina football and a lot of Carolina football in the last decade or so, and meeting the physicality of the other team has quite frankly been an issue. Um, I think. A fair amount um, over the years not every game Uh, there's certainly been games where Carolina's gone out and smacked people Um, but against Notre Dame earlier this year they didn't meet that physicality against Notre Dame in the past they didn't against Pittsburgh they should have won those games but there was some physical aspect of it that maybe they didn't do it Uh, that was not the case yesterday especially not the second half what'd you see
1: um
2: I mean you just basically said what I see. I mean they they match the physicality. main thing is that they, like Buck said, you're, you look like an, a much more physical team when your defensive line takes care of business." And at the end of the day, as this game went on, the Carolina defensive line started getting more and more effective. you know they they had their moments where they they, they struggled and you're gonna have moments where against a good a good run offense and against a really good running back you're gonna you're gonna have some some issues and they had some some times where you're looking at it like man what in the world you know they missed a they missed this gap or what is he doing you know getting 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 a high pad level or whatever you can nitpick play you know different plays from different games but on the whole eventually if you do it right enough times eventually over time if you've got talent up front that that that's going to start to you're going to start to be able to lean on him a little bit you're going to start to get some wins up front and I think that's what happened is they started getting adjusted to what Pitt did and they they start they started getting penetration they started getting pressure on the quarterback once they got you know a first or second down stop and and that's the thing they got some first and second down stops and and you know the the, the to me the, the sort of fast track to your team's physicality. You're you're going to be as physical as your as your as your lines are. I mean, we can talk all you want about oh yeah you know you know they've got a, they're a really physical football team. Look at how their corners play. Great, but and and we did see some physical corner play from uh, from Storm Duck in particular down the end. I mean Storm close this game out that was really uh,
0: what's that i haven't seen him do that in three years when I mean, he came through and blessed i thought jacarius kindly got on the field
2: yeah i mean you could happened. see like that guy that guy took some pride in closing this game out but i mean that that's that's good but the the the, the tone is set by your defensive def, by your defensive front that's especially. And then, you know, your offensive line has to be, has to be physical too. And and they tell you what, I don't know if anybody watched game day. Uh, this is the first time I've had a chance to look at anything game day related uh, all season. And I saw that they had a, they had the, the North Carolina pit game on the, on bears board or whatever it's called. And, you know, he was, he, he went all in on pit saying, well, you know, pit, Pitt will get after the quarterback. You know they 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 they're really good up front on defense. And North Carolina's uh, uh, offensive line. I think he said uh, something like North Carolina's offensive line is garbage. Strong words. Those are real strong words. And he said, "Look, they've been they've been garbage for like three years now." You know, and said something about you know uh, I think he even said you know been no coaching change or something like that. Well, you know there has been a coaching change, and I think we saw some of the fruit of that coaching change yet again, last night, last night. And, and they handled their business in terms of keeping Drake may upright more often than not. And by a lot. And, you know, they were able to run the football some when they needed to run the football. So that was matching physicality, but the defensive line, that's where it starts. And the defensive line played physical football especially in the second half once they started to kind of figure out the speed of the game and, and the overall physicality they matched it and they got pressure they got penetration against the run and it was enough and this is a this is an improving defense I mean that there's no no bones about it at this point a lot of the things that I complained about and that I kept pointing out at the beginning of the year I don't know whether they you know whether some of those players that I picked on a little bit whether they actually watched it or not, but either way in practice, some of those guys have actually started getting some of those very things fixed. And I'm seeing some of the difference there. It's an improving football team on the defensive side. And they they were good enough to win the ACC and the offense before that. So now they're, they're a dangerous football team going down the
1: stretch if they can continue to build on what they've done. You know, uh, Tommy, follow-up on what Jason said about the defensive line uh, you don't it doesn't always show up probably as much as other kinds of defensive line splash plays like Cayman Rucker um, you know coming and after the quarterback but Javari Ritzy had himself a game yesterday um, and getting being able to get pressure like that kind of basically from the interior uh, and push the pocket a little bit he he kept almost almost by himself kept uh, slow was from getting comfortable for a lot of a lot of the night. Um, he he had two quarterback hurries and was third on the team in tackles. Uh, so he showed up in the stat box, but uh, I think he had a heck of a night. Miles Murphy did some good things. Um, you know, some other uh, defensive linemen got some pressure, but it it wasn't just like from the jack position or from the end position. They they were getting pressure across the line which allows Chiswick to do different things uh, defensively. It, it was fascinating to watch the
0: turnaround because in that first half, Pitt was just, you know, Max said post game, and I think it surprised everybody. They came out throwing it, and Carolina just couldn't couldn't find the receivers uh, to, to get on them. I mean, I, I think I tweeted at one point, a lot of people said, do you just leave? Why not just leave the corners on the island and, and sell out to stop the run? Well, you saw why that was problematic. To start the game, because uh, they would just throw over the top and make some plays. But Jason, your point about Storm Duck, I mean, that guy, he, he played his butt off in the second half and especially late down the stretch. Looked like a completely different guy. I thought legend Cavazos came in and made some plays over there. And uh, yeah, the, the point about it is improving a couple points. One, they clearly listen, right, Jason? They clearly listen to what's said on these podcasts.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, yeah.
0: We know that factually. Uh, but they, uh, Pitt tried to bully them, I thought, early. And, and it worked to an, a certain extent. And Abaconda is early. Abanaconda. Abanaconda. Early. I mean, he was, he was shorter and smaller than I thought he was. He's still thick, but he, he had spaces, but, but to, to, to the defensive lines point, that space went away. Yes. I mean, it was, and whether it was a, a shift by Chiswick or an adjustment or whatever, I think it was guys just stepping up and realizing, Hey, we got to do something, but they did it with everybody out there. Noah Taylor went out. Um, I mean, you know, my non-trained eye says that does not look good for Noah Taylor uh, Des Evans went out, you know, Rucker stepped up. Malachi Hammer was in there. Ritzy, Murphy, all these guys were making plays. This is a banged up team in that second half that could have, that could have wilted and they didn't. And I think that speaks more than anything else. I think that speaks well for what Chizik and this defense is trying to get done.
1: Well, I think the answer you're, you're walking around over there is that depth. They have been building some depth, uh, over the course of the year they're getting guys some playing time and that started a little while ago now that they, they have flipped that switch off and on a few times they played a lot of guys like against Virginia Tech not so many against Miami but they have been slowly and surely working some guys in Travis Shaw got some snaps you know some other people got into the game so they what they're beginning to show is that they do have some depth on defense and they were going up against a very senior or older offensive line. Uh, Pittsburgh's offensive line, they're not having a lot of uh, freshmen and sophomores out there for those guys. So, you know, hats off to uh, the defensive line and the showing that they had. And we could talk about the other side of the ball too. I think the North Carolina offensive line played well. And uh, Jason has already spoken to that a little bit also yeah I want to I definitely
0: want to go there. I saw Jack McNell doing the gritty in the locker room, which is pretty cool to get all the old guys out there to try to dance uh and and one up Mac but uh Jason, what a lot of people are asking in the chat and a lot of people say did you see and I know it's tough on first watch, and I definitely haven't watched it since it happened last night, but did you see Carolina doing anything differently on the back end after the say in the second half? Um, because it looked more effective.
2: Um, what would you see there? Not in the fir- not on the first watch. I, I didn't see them, in terms of scheme, doing a whole lot differently. But at the end of the day, what you do schematically doesn't matter as much as whether or not you're able to get, get after them up front. I mean, the exact same coverage when you've got a quarterback who's thrown from a clean pocket versus a quarterback who's, you know, thrown from pressure is a very different coverage look so I think the biggest difference is that they started getting pressure and and here's the thing I don't want to overstate how how well the Carolina defense played on the hole on the night because I mean they did as you guys mentioned they they gave up some some big plays they gave up plays down the field uh, I'm looking at the at the, the quarter by quarter summary through the first half Pitt was averaging 5.7 yards per play that that's that's not great you know that's 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 not terrible defensively, but that's not great. You want to you want to be a little bit better than that if you can, but that's not that's okay. Then in the third quarter, they gave up ten yards of play. That's that's not real good. bad, right? That's that's a uh, you know that's App State type type stuff. You give up ten yards of play, that's bad. And then fourth quarter, three yards of play. That's where the ball game was won. That's where Carolina went on a twenty-one to nothing run in the fourth quarter. The defense forced a turnover, and they gave up three yards of play. All of a sudden, that's when it clicked. All of a sudden, it was okay. Game on. This team, this team learned something about how to close this game out. They figured out this what they're doing a little bit. And the other thing I do want to highlight here, and this gets to something Buck said in the uh, in the pregame. Buck, you said you felt like maybe the most important factor coming into this game was Carolina finding a way to get up early, so that they could control the game, and they didn't get up early. But here's the thing: as soon as they did go up, it was over. The ball game was over, and that that's where once they got up, the defense. That's when the switch flipped defensively because I think it wasn't so much that Carolina did a whole lot differently defensively. It's that Pitt had to change a little bit of what they were doing. So when the offense got to 28 to 24 and it's the beginning of the fourth quarter and Pitt realized like uh-oh we we're we're in a shootout now we got to we're going to have to score. All of a sudden ball game ball game shifted and the defense was able to take advantage. And that's complementary football. That's where you're okay. I mean, we, we saw some of this in the prior coaching staff. Okay, we'll be willing to give up some, you know, a drive here or there as long as we get the ball back to our offense, which is then going to score, going to continue to put pressure on their defense and then put pressure on their offense to score. And we'll give up some points as long as we get some turnovers and, and some things as a result of whatever the, the opposing offense is going to have to press. To to score as much as much as this offense is going to score. Well, you still have to have good enough defense to do that. You've got to ultimately they ran into some problems at the quarterback position down the stretch there. What they're doing right now with Drake May on offense and that whole group, they're putting so much pressure on the opposing offense. You're gonna have to score 40 to beat this Carolina team unless you've got a Clemson type defense. And even then, you still might have to score 40. That puts an awful lot of pressure on the opposing defense on the opposing offense and that's when your defense at some point it just takes a couple wins and it takes a turnover that sort of thing and all of a sudden the game shifts all of a sudden they're playing from behind and they you know they they play a little differently and then the defensive line eats and that I think is what we saw
0: Yeah, absolutely I think one of the, the best uh, back and forth we had during the week um, talking about this game and you mentioned it, Jason, and Buck it's kind of all together here is Pitt wants to get ahead and then eat the football and just make everybody um, watch them run it down Carolina's throat. Carolina wanted to get ahead to force Pittsburgh to do something out of their norm. I think the point that Jason made is even if Carolina gets behind, you still got Drake May. And I don't want to go to the Drake May portion of the program right now. <laughs> we'll do that after the break. <laughs> but their ability to settle down, even when they were behind, um, was fascinating. Looking at the big plays, Pitt had five passing plays, count as big plays, for 181 yards. But the last one of those big plays was twelve fifty-one in the third quarter. After that, nothing. And they had three only three rushing big plays. Um, the last one of those was six minutes in the third quarter. I, I mean, it was like somebody turned the faucet off. on the pit sideline and they couldn't get it back but a couple more things about the defense um we we mentioned depth um we mentioned ability um but i felt like and jason sort of alluded to it it was kind of like shark smelling blood out there right they started getting some success and if we always talk about miami's a front running team this carolina football team when they started having success on defense it just sort of Built and built and built. And we haven't seen that. I mean, we haven't seen it consistently in max 2.0, hell, in 10 years. um You've watched a lot of football. What were you thinking watching it just sort of building like the tidal wave was building, pouring over on Pitt's offense?
1: Well, two things. And I think uh, Jason's already touched on this a little bit, but um when it was 17 to seven and when it was 24 to 14, it never really felt like North Carolina had lost touch with uh, with Pittsburgh. You know, they were still within striking distance, and uh, that factor, I think, began to wear on Pittsburgh, uh, especially as North Carolina closed the gap and then took the lead at twenty eight twenty four. When that when that happened you could almost see that switch you're talking about getting flipped uh, on the Pittsburgh side of the field because North Carolina, and they, they just weren't letting Pittsburgh get too far out in front of them that they couldn't make a push to catch up in, in relatively short order. And when you've got a, an offense that can strike quickly, uh, as this offense can do, and instead of shouting out Drake May right here, Anton Green had himself a game. I mean, he was a monster in this game. And, and having him, along with Josh Downs, this this offense can put up points. I mean, and as Jason was talking about, uh, you may have to score over 40 points to beat this North Carolina team here on out. So, um, Yeah, I agree with you, Tommy. Something froze up a little bit on Pitt on the inside of those players once North Carolina got up on the scoreboard. Let's
0: go to Johnny T-Shirt. Buck, hold your shirt up for the YouTube um, folks. Johnny T-Shirt, friends of this podcast, friends of Inside Carolina, friends of Inside Carolina's premium subscribers, friends of everybody, really. They're such a great bunch over there on East Franklin Street, alumni owned and operated. They take care of us. They take care of you, get your 10% off when you're Inside Carolina Premium subscriber. I think a certain president asked me yesterday on the Inside Carolina Live show in the Bowls lot, if you're not a member of the Inside Carolina Premium message board, what are you doing? (laughs) So anybody watching this YouTube stream or listening on these, these are great uh, avenues of content, the podcast, the YouTubes, all that stuff. Got a wonderful team that can put together some solid stuff. But the premium message boards are where it's at. We've talked about recruiting here. Don Callahan has that covered. You see who these guys are before they get to Carolina what to expect. And then you've got Jason Staples throwing up just ridiculous film breakdowns, who's personally, for me, one of my favorite things. But then on top of all the premium stuff you get with Inside Carolina, you get Johnny T-Shirt. They deliver it straight to your door. If you you don't want to get to Chapel Hill or can't, they deliver it to your door at johnnytshirt.com. And it's almost holiday season, folks, so get everything you need. National Guys Pay the Bills on the audio. It is the day after Pittsburgh edition. We'll be right back.
3: Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast
0: all right day after podcast inside buck sanders jason staples here uh we're doing this live at 8 23 on the east coast got a couple hundred folks in here with us appreciate you guys joining us if you're listening to this later come on and get into coffee party um consider a corner like down at your local mcdonald's where you sit around and shoot the breeze and talk about carolina football let's get into the drake may portion buck you mentioned antoine green yes we'll talk about him josh downs yes we'll talk about him jason uh drake may is ridiculous i mean i don't know how else to put it the, the the kid, it looks like a shark bit him. He's bleeding terribly out of his hand. He doesn't even miss a beat. He looked like a couple throws where he was, I'm, I'm running, I'm running. Nope, there's somebody open. I mean, just
2: just overall,
0: what would you see Saturday night?
2: Well, we saw why, in my view, Drake May will be not just a top five pick, but probably the number one pick in the draft when he comes out. No question. And, I mean, what you see when you when you have that kind of player is he gets hit, he gets, you know, you get pressure on him or whatever. And those kind of guys don't, and, and you saw this from, Narduzzi talked about this in the pregame, right? And, and before the game, it was an interview, what, a couple days before the game where he talked about the difference between the quarterback last year, obviously Sam Howell, and Drake May. And everything he said was accurate. You know, he, he talked about that. I'm, I'm going to read the quote. When I watched last year, as good as their quarterback was, if he didn't feel good, he would just tuck it and run or get hit and sacked. Now, <laughs> folks on inside Carolina will remember that that was something that I kept saying, and folks kept getting mad. <laughs> but it's, it was the truth great deep ball thrower a guy that when when things were were good when he felt good about what what was going on could really put the ball in there but had some flaws in terms of processing speed to get the ball out and you know just managing managing things when when reed one wasn't there here's what narduzzi then said <laughs> This guy is not like that. He's elusive. He's really smooth in the pocket. There's time when he's just shuffling to the left away from it and he feels the pressure well. He's as good a quarterback. We were talking as a defensive staff. We were discussing, like, who is this guy like? He's like a Trevor Lawrence is like what I, is what I think he is. He can throw every ball. He's not afraid to put it out there. He is talented. Now, I think the Trevor comparison is, is a little different because I think Trevor had a stronger arm or has a stronger arm in terms of just being able to just from any body position make you know laser type throws to any point on the field and that's not to take away from drake may has has a terrific arm but here's the thing i think drake may right now in in as far as i would grade what i value in a quarterback might be a better prospect than trevor lawrence was at this Mm-mm. stage of their careers
0: uh oh them high praise now
2: and the reason is, you know, Trevor, first of all, Trevor played on an offense that and also had the support of a defense that was just, I mean, it, it was so silly what he had around him. Now, look, with Josh Downs, with the way that Antoine Green is playing, it's not like Drake May is playing with a bunch of stiffs. But to me, the, the thing that I value as much as anything else when grading a quarterback, is the ability to slide in the pocket, to get the ball out quickly against pressure, to be able to handle some of those things. That's And that's where Drake May is as good as anybody. And when you have those guys that, you you know, okay, we're going to blitz them, we're going to pressure them, we're going to get get in their face. You have that kind of guy who's like, oh, good, game on. I love it when teams do this. Because now I can get it out quickly, and I've got my one-on-ones. Then those guys are those guys are terrifying to play against for a defensive coordinator, and well, that's what he is.
1: Yeah. As long as we're into Drake portion of the program, <laughs> here's here's the thing that this gives you a a great look at who Drake May is. Slovis hit three Pittsburgh receivers, three Pittsburgh. Receivers caught a pass uh, last night. Drake hit 10 different guys, 10 different guys. What does that tell you? Drake sees the entire field. And if if you get open, he's going to get you the ball. Now, granted, we will see some times where some people are open and Drake doesn't get them the ball and for whatever reason, but. His ability to scan the entire field and and have the arm to get it to where he wants to go accurately um, is just unparalleled. And what's a, a little bit of a shame in his press conference after the after the game, Mac Brown almost sounded apologetic towards Sam Howell and previous offense because he was comparing um, how they were unable to finish at, at Pittsburgh the last two times they played up there, uh, having the ball on the two-yard line with minute 16 to go. Um, I'll never forget that as long as I live. He, he keeps always bringing up a minute 16 to go first and goal at the two and couldn't close the deal. Drake may would have got that ball in the end zone. I have complete confidence one way or the other. Uh, he'd, he'd have won the game for North Carolina. And, you know, as much as we love Sam Howell and as much as we uh, love those teams, um, there's just a a significant gap between what Sam Howell's able to accomplish on the football field and what Drake May can do. And And I think a lot of that stems from Yes, he has all the physical abilities in the world, and as Jason talks about and I talk about at times. But his vision, I think, and and having the accuracy to get the ball where he wants to, to go, those are the things that, that separate him, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, a couple of throws, and, and when you see it from different angles, he was throwing balls when guys were not open. And, and he would throw them open and get into them on time and all. One thing that I, I do want to mention – um you know, we highlighted Tyler Wiltz's comments the linebacker for Pitt earlier in the week. Um, you know, we're gonna hit him if he doesn't get up, it's not our problem. Well, number eight, Clancy or Cancy, did just that. And I think that's when the game flipped. I mean he tried to take him out. He, he uh he can make a tackle, he targets him. There's there's a couple of things. So I watch these games um pretty objectively. Clearly, um, the outcomes matter, but when I see chippiness and what I consider to be some BS, um, plays that gets the blood pumping. And I think that happened with North Carolina as well is you can't stop him. So I'm going to try to hurt him. And what happens there is you just fire him up more and then you're sitting on the sideline watching. And while you're sitting on the sideline watching, he's doing your team dirty, um, after that, Jason, the toughness and the leadership, we had Landon Turner on the on the Inside Carolina Live pregame, which I got to get a guy on the podcast because he was fantastic. Um, but he talked about having a guy like that behind you and, and making plays like that. that you cannot overstate – we can talk about his production, but you can't overstate the dude that's back there. I mean, just from your perspective – Take away all the physical abilities. Take away all that. It's just another level on the leadership, the, the fight, the grit, and all that. I just think it's – I said it's ridiculous. Help me here. Help help me quantify it <laughs> because I've never seen anything like it, and I've seen a lot of good football players, and he's a red shirt freshman, and he keeps doing it over and over and over. Greg Barnes said in the game plan, remember this? This game's going to be a struggle – But I have faith in Drake May getting it done.
2: That Drake may got it done. It's what it's what we keep saying on 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 all of this. And there's a certain I think you're you're right to a degree that when that hit happened, and you could see, you know, kind of knock some cobwebs out a little bit and then, you know, he cuts his hand cuts his hand up. Drake May has Almost, uh, you could see it in, 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 you know, sort of in the immediate aftermath of that. You could see almost uh, the the famous training day scene from Denzel Washington. The okay, okay, all right, <laughs> all right. You could, you could, um, that like that mentality is there that with with Drake May. You can see that when teams start to get after him a little bit, he has that reaction. Like oh, okay, all right. So that's how it's going to be. That so that's what we're doing here, huh? All right, well, and then you see him just kind of turn it up a little bit. And I want to highlight here, here's his numbers when blitzed from last night. So you wanted me to quantify this. When blitzed, he was 12 of 19, 63% completion percentage for 98 yards. So that's not a bunch of yardage, but two, two scores, zero zero turnovers against the blitz. <laughs> right? When under pressure, so when, not not just when the blitz got there, but when pressure got there, he was nine of 14, 64% completion percentage, 8.6 yards per attempt, one touchdown, zero scores, or I mean, zero, zero turnovers. Look, I mean, and that's just the passing numbers, by the way, because he also had multiple scrambles. He had three scrambles in there as well that went for positive yardage and how many times has he sacked
0: twice twice according to this I don't remember once but twice twice
2: yeah one one was he he was stepping up enough that you know he kind of made it into almost a no loss so you're looking at a guy that that even when he's under pressure you're not getting negative plays for your team because he gets it out so fast that he's not and, and gets it out reliably when he's under pressure so that your, your offense is just not taking negative plays. And that just makes things so much easier for him and everybody else around him. And again, you know, you, if you're going 64% completion percentage under pressure, I mean, there, there are a lot of uh, quarterbacks around the country that are under 64% completion percentage Period. clean. Yeah. And now clean, by the way, <laughs>
1: Is ridiculous.
2: Clean. He was eighty-two percent, eighty-two point eight percent completion percentage, for nine point one yards per attempt, four scores and, no t- and, and and no turnovers. And his adjusted completion percentage, by the way, I should I should bring this in as well. Power a uh, uh, Pro Football Focus keeps an adjusted completion percentage stat that accounts for drops, you know, and and other factors. <laughs> His adjusted completion percentage, when clean, so when he when he was not under duress, was 89.7. <laughs>
0: that sounds good.
2: Is that good? Yeah. When he was not blitzed, his adjusted completion percentage was 95.8. So if he's playing against air, you got no shot. But again, when under pressure, his adjusted completion percentage was 69.2. That means he's putting it in the correct spot with accuracy 70% of the time when under pressure. This is not just when blitzed. This is when he's actually got a guy in his lap. There's your there is your quantification in terms of quantify this for me. Uh yeah. Yeah, adjusted. Uh, by the way, adjusted completion percentage on twenty-plus yard throws yesterday was seventy-five percent.
1: We are getting spoiled with uh, that defensive coordinators. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is, it's going to be terrible when he finally departs UNC because
2: you'll never see anything like this. We'll again. never
1: see it again. I don't think.
2: No, no, it's it. It's one of those things where now I, I will say Clemson did see this a couple times in a row. I mean, they they went from Deshaun Watson. To, to the elf
1: and you know Taj Boyd wasn't chopped liver either you know?
2: no but see Taj Boyd was their was there Sam Howell yeah right he was a good really good player with some limitations in some of the same areas actually and put up filthy numbers but set the table for Deshaun Watson who was their Drake May now they were able to go out and find an elf who happened to be willing to sign on and say, you guys, and this is the thing that happens. You get a Drake may who looks like that. And all of a sudden that stimulates the imagination of future quarterbacks for recruiting to say, you know, that guy looks pretty good in that offense. I wonder if I, who have similar skills in certain areas can, you know, look similar in that offense. So I don't think you'll ever see a guy like Drake may in carolina blue again i mean he's a generational guy but you might see somebody who's a top tier guy and you know a high draft pick maybe even a you know top five draft pick or number one draft pick again decide to sign in and 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 play for for north carolina for that that offense precisely because then you know this year and next year he sees what can be done if you're an elite quarterback so that's that's the hope but I would I would definitely say enjoy this while you while you got it, because even if you sign the number one quarterback in in the country coming out of high school, the odds that he looks anything you know that he that he reaches this level are really 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 slim. I mean, you're looking at a you know a couple quarterbacks, fewer than a handful of quarterbacks every every decade that look like this in in college. You know, probably a handful every decade. There's one every couple years that looks something like
1: this. Here, Here's a question, and, and Tommy, you can chime in on this too. Taylor Vipless was chattering in his uh review after the game that Drake might get an invite to New York. Is, is anybody seeing that? Uh I haven't seen it,
0: but I think he has
1: to if Carolina can
0: finish this 10 and 2 like somebody predicted um or, or or something like that Jason don't you think he's got to at least get there i mean we're getting ahead of our skis but that's yeah. a, that would be gigantic for this program if that happened.
2: if he's not there it, it, I'll, I'll just i'll preface this by he has to continue playing at the level that he's been playing at right if he continues to play at the level he's been playing at and he doesn't end up in North Carolina, or I mean, in uh, if he doesn't end up in New York, then I'll be the first on the I'll be the first one screaming that screaming bias, you know, basically big uh, traditional power bias. Because if Drake May were playing for any other one loss or or fewer team in the country right now, so I'm talking about. Uh, let's see Alabama Alabama's got one loss right Uh, you know look at Hendon Hooker right now he's playing great for Tennessee Hendon Hooker's numbers are nowhere near what Drake May is putting up right now now Hendon Hooker is in the discussion because they beat Bama I get it but if he were playing for any of those teams so you're looking let's let's go down the list Uh, if he were playing for Bama Ohio State uh usc georgia georgia tennessee uh who else is a, a one loss or fewer team right now get you can get the list if you were playing for any of those teams he would be probably the heisman front runner right now now some of that is a factor of north carolina has not played a bunch of, of power teams i mean the the best team north carolina's played was notre dame and notre dame is a three loss team right now right so some of that is people going well he's put up great numbers but i mean they played famu they played app state and they played georgia state where you know you can kind of put up those numbers that's part of it but i think another part of it is like yeah it, can the can the best football player in america really be playing at North Carolina right now, I think that's also part of it in the psychology of your typical national media type Heisman voter type. So to me, if he continues to play like this through the rest of the season, he sh- he should be in 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 New York. And if he plays anything like this against Clemson, and I'm just going to assume that they're going to be in the in the they're they're what a 96 percent chance at this point. Of being in the ACC championship game, I think
1: North Carolina's moved to ninety-eight something. Well, know, there you you're go. Talking about Clemson, if he yeah. keeps
2: putting up those numbers and they're able to 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 give Clemson, they don't even have to beat Clemson. But if they're able to, you know, score forty points or something like that against Clemson and force that Clemson team to sweat because he plays like that, honestly, I think he should be the Heisman frontrunner with the kind of season that he's had. I don't think he would win it because, again. The factor of like how many big games, how many marquee games against top 10 teams will he have played? That's a factor in this. But he would be in New York and, and I think would be potentially the favorite to win it going into next year. Now, next year is going to be harder because I don't think he's going to have two of those receivers that are awfully good for him but he showed he could do it with a, with a bunch of other guys early in the year, which, you know, kind of tells you that next year you could kind of expect it to look pretty good too.
1: Some of those guys had some really good catches too last night. Uh, yep. Gavin Blackwell had made a heck of a catch. Um, and, of course, Kobe was wide open and uh, Pacer for his touchdown. But, you know, as you say, first several games of the year, drake had neither one of those and again he's hitting 10 different receivers uh, a game so i think he'll find the targets he's looking for uh next year let's uh let's talk about those
0: targets and we got a couple more things and i know we're we to get out of here by 9 a.m josh downs antoine green i saw some lists and some stupid list you see on social media or whatever they were like the 10th best passing receiving duo in the country uh but we talked a lot about diamond brown uh, no you go ahead and get in jason
2: yeah they're uh, not top 10 they're top probably f- three or four yeah right? and they're not ohio state no ohio state j- has just lost what two guys to injury uh but that that's the best group in the country but i think this carolina group is at, at least top five
0: what they're able to do, um, they still get it done, but, Buck, your point there, they it opens up the door for so many other guys to catch balls, and that's the difference I see from this year and last year. Josh Downs doesn't have to be force-fed to get 11 catches for 102 yards. It didn't seem like, my God, throw it to somebody else, man. You know, somebody else is open. And Green goes 10 for 180. I'll let you talk about it, Jason, but, Buck, Jason said, this is a money game for Antoine green. Well, oh, and it was, yeah. <laughs> Would he make himself some and money. It was
1: Yeah. He got cha-ching, cha-ching all over the place Was what he was hearing.
0: But it's just, uh, yeah, just speak to the receivers. I mean, we've seen a lot of good ones come through Carolina, but never this Lonnie Galloway has put together a room that the talent is everywhere and it's being used and it's being, uh, taken advantage of i guess is the word i'm looking for every day by drake May. yeah they
1: uh i guess it was downs or no or green one of them that last night we're talking about it post game about how both of them make the other one better and that's that's the case really you see at every level of football particularly in the nfl um if you've got a um a wide receiver one on a team that's just excellent. His numbers are probably going to get better if you bring in another guy that's as good as he is uh, because teams can't focus on him. In that first half, Josh Downs had, what, two or three catches maybe in the first half and uh, for not a lot of yards. Uh, I think at one point he had two catches for eight yards uh, fairly far along in the first half. Meanwhile, Green is burning it up. uh, Green had 100 yards in the first half. So, you know, if you're going to uh, bring some help uh, to uh, shut down Josh Downs, you know, the the toothpaste is going to squeeze out the other end of the tube, um, you know, with uh, Green catching the ball. So uh, those two really make each other better, and it's great to see that uh, Josh Downs has a guy that he didn't have last year that teams just can't concentrate on him. And they've done some different things with Downs too this year. That's helped, and he's not always operated out of the slot. But uh, Green makes Downs a better player and vice versa. Yeah, Jason,
0: we'll talk about the receivers forever. We talked about Drake May forever. Let me ask you about, before we get out of here, and I'll let you guys close the show with whatever you want to talk about. But can you speak to the offensive line play, what you saw yesterday? They were getting – it looked to me that Pitt was sending extra guys every single time. I mean, they were coming from all sides. And number eight was a big factor in that. And When he went out, it changed a little bit. But can you speak with how to handle it? One of my favorite moments watching this team – is when Corey Corey Gainer got a little chippy with some of those guys, <laughs> and that that's the kind of stuff I love. If you're going to sit here and, and and talk, then like you mentioned, the Training Day reference earlier. Okay, we can do this if this is how you want to go. Um, speak to what you saw from Big Nails OL last night.
2: Well, I mean, they played well enough. I, I think that's that's my my take on this. Is they played well enough to give their to give their dude a chance that's and that's all you really need from that group right now um I would have liked to have seen a little bit better hold up hold up over the course of the over the course of the game where there are fewer than 19 pressures (laughs) on on your quarterback they did bring a lot of pressure but the thing that I, I think was probably the the best aspect of this is that they were pretty solid guard to guard in terms of when there was leakage a lot. It was not straight up the middle, you know, in terms of gainer getting beat or, uh, you know, actually William Barnes had the highest pass block grade on the team in terms of uh, the offensive line, him coming back was huge, him coming back. And that was something that I, I did. I did want to make sure I talked about in this, uh, in this uh, day after is, William Barnes being out there changes the the complexion of that offensive line. You know, Adorno, is is he's clearly a backup, and he's nowhere near as good at that right guard position as Barnes. Barnes has been solid when he's played this year, when he's been healthy enough to play. And him playing in this game may have been the difference in the game because ultimately there was enough time for Drake May to step up in the pocket on a number of occasions or to slide to space that was there because there was space that was there it was not a situation where three guys were getting beat at once very often and you know what the the the, at the least that you ask from your offensive line in pass protection is to get run over slowly <laughs> <laughs> right that's what you want is like at least put yourself between them and your quarterback and Provide, you know, slow them down enough that he can do something. And we saw that over and over again. And it was good enough. You know, Spencer Rowland, did he have his best day? No, but it was good enough. Aseem Richards was, you know, he had a little better day overall, but it, was it his best day? Is it one that, you know, he's going to point to that game and be like, okay, that's, you know, that's the reason you should draft me? Not really. But, Again, across the board, they played well enough and they, they did a good enough job picking up all the stunts and all the blitzes and all of that that, that, uh, that pit threw at them. And, you know, I also want to highlight the running backs did their job in, in pass protection when they needed to against, against the Blitz. DJ Jones had six Blitz pickups. Or, I'm sorry, four blitz pickups that were that were significant in this game. Uh Omari and Hampton had one key blitz pickup. You know you had Elijah Green picked up the picked up the blitz 13 times mm-hmm. right the, the, the backs did their job as well and they, they deserve some credit in terms of being able to help keep Drake May upright with enough time now again he makes you he makes all of those guys look better because of how quickly he gets it out because of how he slides to 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 daylight because of all of the little things that are you know the things that i value really heavily in a quarterback you know the stuff that i i've talked about for several years of i want to i want my quarterback first and foremost to make quick decisions get the ball out secondly i want you know with accuracy of course. And secondly, I want him to understand and, and feel, to have that feel in the pocket to where he knows how to slide and how to make time for himself and how to how to make his offensive line and his pass protectors right while keeping his eyes downfield. May does that as well as anybody in the country. But these guys, I'm seeing people saying, you know, uh, in chat, you know, Drake May, m- maybe not the GOAT, but definitely the RAM. Um, <laughs> but, uh <laughs> You know, this, uh, (laughs) that's pretty good. Uh, This is, this is the thing is, is he makes them all look better. But if they're just getting beat right off the snap, then he, there's not a whole lot of room to make a guy look better when he's just getting run by. And those guys did enough. They're communicating enough. They're, they're at least starting in the right spot. And when they're getting beat, it's because the guy across from them is pretty good. So I think that's the that's the thing I want to highlight with them is, you know, are they the top offensive line in the in the ACC? No. Are they are they even a, you know, a very good offensive line? Probably not. But are they are they pretty good? Yeah, they've played pretty well this year and they've played well enough that their quarterback who continues to make them look better has made them look really good at times. And I think that's where they're at. You know,
1: the uh, the Pittsburgh defense. You know, announced their intentions earlier in the week about Drake May and, you know, getting to him and this, that, and the other. And uh, you knew, and they attempted to bring as much pressure on Drake May as they could get away with putting on him. And they had, and, and I, actually, this stat eludes me in, in trying to define it, but there was three quarterback hurries for the Pittsburgh defense three and North Carolina had six. So that tells you that North Carolina was putting about as much pressure on uh, Slovis as Pittsburgh was able to put on May. So, you know, that's why I think we started out by talking about how much better they looked in the in the trenches as far as a D line getting its job done. And you know, there's a lot of keys to this game, and it's fun to talk about. It's fun to talk about games like this. But uh, the the most encouraging thing to me moving forward is the play of the defensive line. I mean, we we knew Drake May was amazing. We knew Josh Downs and Antoine Green are amazing. Uh, we know they can score points. But moving forward, finishing out the rest of this year, and think about it, they may play six more games at least. So, um, the, the the advancing uh, expertise and success of the offensive line is the most encouraging thing to me now and even going into next year.
0: Yeah, I mean, they've got some injuries. There were some significant guys getting beat up last night, um, and but their depth and going forward has been able to – take care of that yesterday uh buck your hat rack is very popular in the (laughs) youtube chat i think we need to get you to sign a few of those and pass them out in the bowls lot sure um and we we shall do that but i'm gonna wrap it I, Uh, i don't know what else we can talk about
1: one guy was asking if all the hats were the same they're not uh i've got a few uh standards that I lean on from time to time but you got your sunday hat your monday hat your son yeah there hat. you go
0: jason you got anything left before we get out of here i know you're gonna have some film breakdowns this week and we'll talk of course later in the week on the game plan for uva um, anything short to get out of here
2: only thing i'm gonna say is drake may can still be better he can still get better scary scary yeah he can still get better when he tightens up some of the mechanics and some of the things that lead to and buck you mentioned you know one one missed throw in particular but there are a couple that he missed where it's like oh man like come on dude like you can make that throw i'm thinking of the one that he skipped to drake may and it was just because he didn't get adequate torque on the run uh into his throw there are times where it's just a little bit of you know, sloppiness with mechanics and believing that, you know, he can kind of throw from any position with all arm. Once he, once he figures some of that stuff out and really tightens up even more and becomes more and more of a, uh, you know, sort of a student of the craft, that guy can be that much better. That's, that's why I keep saying like, he's as good a, a an NFL prospect as anybody, you know, for a long time because he's this good and still has a, has a lot more ceiling in terms of, you know, all those other things. There's still little things that he can clean up that he can be that much better. And that's, that's scary. Yeah. Well, I
0: always say, don't let the perfect get in the way of the good. That, that boy pretty good. <laughs> and, uh, and, and to your point, he can, he can get a lot better. Buck Sanders, Jason Staples. spend the day after podcast. Shout out to the 300 plus that have joined us on Sunday morning. It is, uh, it's always, it's good to finally talk about a game. That was one on the field and people still aren't ticked off for whatever <laughs> reason.
1: Seven well, I think we could probably find one or two that are <laughs> some, about something.
0: I think there was one or two in the, in the, in the, in the uh, in, in the, the group chat. Um, we're going to have to take one of their phones away during the ball game. Uh, but it's been a pleasure guys. Uh, Jason Staples as always, Buck Sanders is the man. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley. It's been the day after podcast, got a lot of content coming this week. Uh, for inside Carolina, of course, Virginia game in new at noon next Saturday. We'll talk about that a lot. Johnny T-shirt, Johnny t Support them. We'll see you guys next time.